first day, um, nothing happened. <laughs> and the second day, I waited. Nobody wrote to me. Then on the third day, I started to receive emails from journalists detailing about their experiences as a young journalist. And some were harassed by bureaucrats, secretary of the past, prime minister, or local high-ranking police officers. From the Japan Times, this is Deep Dive, a podcast exploring the most important stories and trends in Japan. I'm Oscar Boyd, and I'm joined by my co-host Corey Baird, and this week, Me Too in Japan. Over the last year, the Me Too movement has outed some of the most powerful men in the world over allegations of sexual assault and harassment. The movement began in the US, but soon swept to other parts of the globe, and eventually made landfall in Japan in April of this year, when an employee at TV Asahi brought allegations of sexual harassment against Junichi Fukuda, a top official from the finance ministry. Despite denying the allegations, Fukuda was forced to step down from his post. The event inspired many other journalists to come forward with their own stories, and Me Too entered into the everyday lexicon of the country, so much so that it was recently chosen as a candidate for the most important phrase of the year in Japan's annual buzzword event. Today we're here and joined by managing editor of the Japan Times, Saidi Diamond, who wrote an article about the scandal and how it related to the broader Me Too movement in Japan. It's been nine months since the resignation of Mr. Fukuda. I'm wondering, could you tell us a little bit about what happened at the finance ministry? Yes, um, a journalist who was covering the finance ministry, um, she came forward with claims that the top finance ministry official harassed her with sexually suggestive comments. And she told her story, uh, actually she was uh, to- telling this, her story on condition of an anonymity to the weekly magazine Shukan Shincho, which then reported the case in April. Mr. Fukuda, uh, this finance ministry bureaucrat, uh, denied the allegation, but a TV Asahi journalist came forward and also TV Asahi held a press conference that she was one of their reporters. And what was the initial reaction in the media or even within the finance ministry? Was it kind of shock or what was the general I don't know, atmosphere? I think I should say that, that incident sent, sent shock waves because uh, the TV Asahi, we, it's, it's unheard of, like, you know, a, a TV, TV <laughs> company uh, held a press conference and to reveal that uh, its reporters ha- has been harassed by a top bureaucrat. So this was really the first time such a big event like this had actually happened? Yes, uh, people actually maybe suspected that there might be such things, but uh, no um, incident has been revealed publicly like this. This is kind of a difficult question, but the broader Me Too movement was sweeping the entire world, and we were wondering if and when it would finally end up in Japan. Do you think that broader movement influenced uh, maybe TV Asahi or even that reporter to come forward? I'm sure that the international movement helped the Japanese women to come forward. And it's 2018. If it was maybe five years ago, maybe people just remain mum and not to tell their story. So eventually, after uh, denying the allegations, Mr. Fukuda did actually step down. Um, so what was the significance of his resignation? For a long time, female journalists remained silent, even though they experienced some form of sexual harassment in their work environment. But uh, the fact that the female reporters came forward to accuse the top bureaucrats and then 
he had to resign afterwards seems to have empowered many women, not just journalists, to reveal their past experiences of sexual harassment. I understand that in reporting for your article, you actually reached out to a lot of these journalists about their own experiences with sexual harassment in the workplace. What kind of stories did you hear from them? At first, I sent out a message because I actually belong to a mailing list where many female journalists are members. So I first asked if um, there's any um, experience, uh, if you have any experience of sexual harassment, please share your experience with me. I, I promised them to, that their identity will be withheld. Um, first day, <laughs> uh, nothing happened. <laughs> and the second day I waited, nobody wrote to me. So I almost thought that it may be my delusion that there must be no journalists like, like that, maybe, or they don't want to come out to, to talk about their experiences. Then on the third day, I started to receive emails from journalists detailing about their experiences as a young journalist. And some were harassed by bureaucrats, secretary of the past, prime minister, or local high-ranking police officers. And how many of these emails did you receive? Um, not that many, several, but the, the emails are very, very long and detailed. Was that, do you think, an opportunity for them that maybe they had never spoken about it before? Did you get that sense? Or like this was something that they had maybe, uh, it, a terrible thing happened to them and because of this movement, they're kind of inspired to come forward with their own stories? Was there that sense or...? I think a lot of uh, uh, women told me that uh, the reason why they're telling me that this story is because for a long time they remained silent and because of that, um, this kind of sexual harassment, we couldn't do away with that, this kind of sexual harassment. So um, they feel obligated, actually they feel responsible for younger generation that because you know, they remain silent. Now, you know, the, the younger reporters have to suffer the same thing. It's a, you know, vicious cycle. Do you have a sense as to the scale of the problem of sexual harassment within the media industry? Yes, um, we have an online survey of journalists by the Daily Asahi Shimbun in January. That was taken in January. 119 said they had been sexually harassed on the job. Of that group, 70% did not consult anyone about their experience. So um, I can see that uh, almost, you know, 70% is a big number and they still, you know, they've experienced, but they can't come forward. Most of them cannot come forward. So it's a big problem both in terms of actually the like, raw numbers is quite high, but also it still seems incredibly underreported as well. Yes, I agree, I agree. For the 30% of the people or so that did maybe come forward within that group and, and just the people that come forward in general... What are the response from the general public, you think, and maybe the media about those people coming forward? Has it been critical? Has it been supportive? Initially, because this uh, female reporter of TV, Asahi, went to Shukan Shinshu, the magazine, and not to her, her own company. I mean, she did go to uh, her own boss, but the, the company didn't deal with it properly, I guess. And so she went to Shukan Shincho, the magazine. So there were actually criticism against her. Like, why did she have, she had to go to um, the magazine? But um, because of this media coverage, and actually, um, not just about this case, but a lot of media started to cover about other cases of uh, sexual harassment, um, not just among uh, female journalists, but other cases. So um, 
that I think helped uh, uh, people to think. And now, now I think a lot of people are supportive. And why do you think the issue of harassment is so pervasive in the media in industry? I think it's something to do with the nature of the job and how journalists have to work here um, to get inside information, maybe exclusive in information. Um, the journalist has to be close to the source and also they often have to um, meet them like outside of maybe work hours, like late at night and going to the, uh, their homes to uh, have more uh, information. And this is the practice of uh, Yoichi Asagake. Yes, yes, Youchi. Youchi means uh, just you know, attacking at night at uh, somebody's house, like the source's house. And the Asagake is to, you know, to go to, to visit uh, their house in the morning before they leave house so that they can, you know, the reporters can catch them. I think I had seen uh, in the news after the scandal, one of the ministers, Noda-san, mm -hmm. uh, she had actually kind of gone forward and, and said she wouldn't have this practice anymore as a result of the scandal. Is, is that correct? Or? She was actually, because she was also a female minister, so she also have a uh, child. And she felt, she told me at once, <laughs> when I was talking to her, that uh, she said that there were uh, female reporters like in front, waiting for her in front of her house at night, and so she felt really sorry that you know in the cold and she had to wait, and <laughs> so and she said, does it has to be like this? So instead of uh, um, receiving reporters at night, she decided to hold uh, lunch sessions or during try to meet reporters as much as possible during the daytime. She said. It's been nine months from the Fukuda scandal, and I guess maybe a lot has happened or maybe a lot hasn't happened since then, but can you kind of give an idea of if you've got a sense that some of these companies are trying to reduce the risk for these young reporters? Mm. I think the media, I mean, the, I think that practice of, you know, trying to get uh, exclusive information, maybe it might not change, but uh, the company, media companies have started to be aware of the problem so that uh, they have, uh, some of the companies have already um, installed a, a regulation to prevent or like uh, also consultation desk to um, prevent or to listen to, you know, their pro uh, the reporters' problems. So instead of having to go to a weekly news tabloid with the claims, they can feel confident to just to chat with their or to report their incidents to maybe within their company. Is that kind of the idea? Yes, I think so. And now I think more and more female reporters are, are uh, feeling um, ease at ease to talk about um, their problems like because they know that they're not alone and it's a common practice. So the people kind of know that we need to do something about it. Over the last six years, the Abe administration has tried to roll out a series of policies to create a society where women can shine. Despite this, in 2017, Japan still ranked 114th out of the 144 countries surveyed for the World Economic Forum's Global Gender Equalities Ranking. On the other hand, the Abe government has touted the creation of 2 million more jobs for women and a growing number of female executives as an example of the success of its policies. Yet women often face hurdles in the workplace. Back in 2017, local politician Yuka Ogata made international headlines for being kicked out of the Kumamoto Municipal Assembly after bringing her seven-month-old son to session in order to highlight the difficulties working mothers face. Daimon-san, how effective have policy changes been in creating better gender equality in Japan? 
I think um, after the Abe government announced that you know women should shine, uh, a lot of uh, um, actually women's participation in the workforce has increased, and the number of female corporate executives is on the rise. But I think I should say not enough, and especially uh, this is true, especially in the areas of politics. Um, the government needs to do more. Uh, one of the main reasons I said it is because uh, you know we had the cabinet reshuffle recently in October. But there was only uh, one female minister, and also. Um, and this I, was actually down from five ministers in 2014, when around the time he announced the policy. Yes, so actually, I would expect like half the half the ministers should be women. Uh, and then, in addition, I was talking to uh, one of my friends who's uh, in a municipal assembly. She is uh, a Tokyo assembly woman, and. Uh, she said that uh, there is no maternity leave system for um, parliamentarians, I mean, throughout the country. What are the, some of the policies that the government can target or that even the government has suggested that they want to target but have maybe haven't mm. pushed that through yet? Well, in terms of politics, I think uh, if, you don't have, if you're not entitled to have maternity leaves or nursery leaves, then what kind of women would go into politics, you know? I mean, if you're young, uh, young uh, upcoming women and who want to be a politician, you have to give up on that. So that means that you can't reflect uh, young women's voices into politics. So that's, I think that's a problem. So that's the start maybe to um, have a system of just to give um, maternity leave. And also um, some of the, I mean, in, in terms of the businesses, I think there are a lot of uh, businesses now uh, trying to work uh, to cope with this problem. And uh, recently, I think it's good. It's a welcoming sign to have uh, a system of telework, encouraging uh, people who are um, having a child to, to work at home as well. So that kind of there are so many things that the government and the companies can do to um, help women. Looking slightly further afield, how was, for example, the news of uh, New Zealand Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern having her child while also recently being elected Prime Minister received in Japan? Do, do people or do women here have the vision of them being able to do that? In New Zealand case, actually, it was, she was a good example and she took her baby to the United Nations Assembly and even, <laughs> I think, the Japanese delegation encountered the baby. <laughs> but um, um, I think, I don't know, her case is uh, widespread, wide, widely known in Japan, some of the media covered. So I think the media coverage would help uh, people to be aware of this problem. So I'm sure that uh, Miss Arden would be a, a good uh, role model for many Japanese women. Bringing it back to Japan and the media industry in particular, what is the makeup uh, in terms of gender balance for the, the executives or the chief editors amongst the Japanese papers? Um, if you say the uh, makeup, I mean, among reporters, I think more and more uh, female reporters are going to be are around now, but in terms of executives, it's very, very pathetic. I don't, I'm because I'm the managing editor, I go to many uh, association meetings, but I'm usually the only one <laughs> sitting uh, who, uh, who's a woman, and the rest of like, you know, rest of like 40 people in the room are all men. So that's how I, I see it. I don't know exactly how many percent, but it's very, very few. And that, that, is probably true of other industries in Japan too, perhaps. 
um, not just the media industry, right? I mean, it yes. is increasing, mm-hmm. but it's still very it's much still... a minor. If you have, you know, a meeting of a large organization, it's probably going to be a lot of, of, of older men. Yes, yes. I, I, especially the large corporations and large and old corporations. And also, I think, the, but the media is one of the worst, I think, worst industry, media and also politics. So if we can work on these two areas, I think the Japanese, uh, Japan would change a lot. So it's been nine months since the Fukuda incident. Where do things stand today? The following the finance ministry's incident, the, the government adopted an emergency measure to tackle sexual harassment in the government ministries. The measures now uh, require senior ministry officials to receive training to prevent sexual harassment. And also the cabinet or personal uh, office bureau is involved, just they are overseeing it. But so that's actually a good, you know, improvement, one step forward. But um, I think we, there are a lot of things that needs to be done yet. And uh, also um, the good bright side is that there are some um, industry groups uh, being created, such as Women in Media Network Japan. Uh, this is a group of uh, female journalists who are actually really worried about this kind of th- things. So uh, they are now working uh, to prevent this kind of things. And also uh, there was a We Too Japan. Um, we Too, actually in, in overseas it's Me Too. But uh, we too means that we are, you know, always uh, we are together with those victims. So uh, this kind of uh, uh, network of people it has been um, talking about this and talking about the preventive measures and 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 also uh, proposing government to do things uh, to to install measures. And uh, we know that recently, Me Too was chosen as kind of a top buzzword for the year. Um, can you just explain a little bit about like that? Maybe maybe it's a bit obscure, but like those buzzwords kind of drive the conversation in Japan, or they kind of reflect the important stories of the past year in Japan, right? Um, do you think it making it into like that buzzword <laughs> candidacy is also kind of a reflection of its, you know, pe- re- regular everyday people kind of understanding what it means? I think so. Uh, the the fact that it became the buzzword, I mean, so that means pe- people recognize Me Too movement. And maybe whereas last year, I think not many people knew about this word Me Too. So the buzzword helps uh, people understand this problem. And it's good that people are now talking about it. Well, thank you very much, Daimon-san, for joining us in the studio today. Daimon-san's full article on the Me Too movement and its impact on the media can be found online at japantimes.co.jp where you can also find all the latest in-depth news, lifestyle, culture and sports from Japan and beyond. Deep Dive was hosted this week by me, Oscar Boyd, and also Corey Baird, and our guests were Sayuri Daimon. You can find more episodes on all major podcasting platforms, including iTunes, Spotify and Stitcher. Thanks for listening and see you next time. What did you have for breakfast? What did I have? Ah, for, 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 uh, the bread, bread, kana. Bread, very good. Bread with just on its own or with? No, sweet bread. So sweet I don't know. <laughs> Baker, I got some bread from bakery. So. Oh, Do you drink coffee in the morning too? or? I skipped coffee today. Okay, okay. Sorry about that. That's probably because of us. <laughs>